0: When Jesus rose from the dead and came out of the tomb that first Easter Sunday, here was a declaration, as Paul says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 4, that here was the Son of God, His victory assured. But also we're told that Jesus rose as the first fruits of a harvest to come. The resurrection life comes in that rising of Jesus, but it will come to all of Jesus' people, all of Jesus' followers at the end of time, When God comes in Jesus to judge the living and the dead. And just as the farmer who's waiting for his crop to produce harvest, just as that farmer has to do some work beforehand, just as that farmer will go through times when things are looking good, maybe, and and the harvest is going to be a good one, or other times when he he or she's concerned about the the forthcoming harvest because things are not going well, in the same way, the, the church is in that kind of waiting for harvest, living in that time when, yes, there is the certainty of resurrection hope, but in the meantime, we work, we, we serve, and sometimes things are going much better for the church than, than at other times. Jesus himself spoke about that kind of existence for his followers where they were in the world, but not of the world where there was a clash between the different sets of priorities and, and different worldviews. But just as Jesus was with his first disciples, so too Christians today have the active and living presence of God with them through the Holy Spirit that Jesus, after he risen and after he was ascended, had sent onto his church for always. And so, a key part of how we are to be in this in-between time, the time between Jesus' first coming and coming again at the end of time, a key part of that is the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. The Spirit is given to all of Jesus' followers, all who repent of following their own way and believe in the Lord Jesus. That's a basic gospel promise. After the sermon on the day of Pentecost, when the crowd had said to Peter, what should we be doing about all this? We're told in Acts 2, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice, you will receive the gift of the Spirit, not you might, and not just some of you, but all of you, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, and every one of you who does so will be forgiven and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so, a little bit later, the Apostle Paul, writing in Romans chapter 8 at verses 9 to 11, can say, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. So, there it is. Those who believe in Jesus, who have repented from their sins, receive the Holy Spirit, all Christians. And in receiving the Spirit, then, we are to realize too that that makes a difference to how we're to live our lives and the Christian life is not to be because we are nicer people or because how hard we try to be good but because of the work of the Holy Spirit in us so what sort of difference is the Holy Spirit to make what should we expect to see in the the lives of followers of Jesus because they have the Holy Spirit Well, in one of the more famous parts of his writing, Paul, when he was describing the impact of the Holy Spirit and the believer, says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It's in Galatians chapter 5. Jesus also had talked about fruitful and unfruitful lives part of the sermon that we know as the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 7, Jesus said, Every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So there's fruit that is to grow in the Christian's life. The Holy Spirit, who is with every Christian, grows these nine fruit that Paul mentioned in Galatians five twenty two and 23. And so in the coming weeks, and it's a series that will take us over the time of Pentecost, the season when we remember the gift of the Holy Spirit on God's church, we will look at these nine different fruit, nine, these nine characteristics of following Jesus, these nine features that the Holy Spirit grows in a believer's life. When people are talking, as they are these days, about we wanting it to be different when we're out of this time of pandemic, it's key to realize that if things are to be different, then we have to be different. Things don't change if people don't change. And I believe that in this time when people are less certain about some of life's givens, when we've had some of the rug pulled from underneath our feet that made us so sure of our own strength and everything else, I believe that in this time, people are questioning more, and it's an opportunity and a great opportunity and responsibility on the church to give a lead, to show more of the difference that can be made and the difference that Jesus does make. One way of looking at that difference, and so referring back to last week's uh, theme, seeing how we can be good ambassadors of Christ, is to look at these Holy Spirit fruits to see what they are, and to encourage us to work with the Spirit in growing and nurturing these in our lives. Now, as I said, the list of the nine fruits is given in Paul's letter to the Galatians in Galatians 5, at verses 22 and 23. And the first of the nine that he mentions is love fruit of the Spirit is love, and then joy, peace, uh, forbearance, and so on. And so, we're going to look this morning at that passage that uh, Leslie was reading earlier on, in 1 John chapter 3, because here is one of the passages where what love is, is, is described for us in the New Testament. Be helpful if you have a Bible, open at 1 John chapter 3 looking at verses 11 to 24. Firstly, from that passage, looking particularly at verses 11 to 15 there, is to say love is non-negotiable. Here is one of the definitive signs that someone is a Christian and so that someone has, as John says, passed from death to life. If we claim to be followers of someone, Jesus, who taught that we should even love our enemies, what does it say about us if we can't even start by loving one another? And Jesus himself put that down as a marker of who is and who is not amongst his followers. In John's gospel at chapter 13, verse 33, A new command I give you, said Jesus, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's a command. A new command I give you, not a suggestion, not an idea, not a possibility, but a command from the Lord himself. But we're to love not just because we're commanded to, but because this is very much of the essence of who God is. Shining is what the Son does. Loving is what God does. And just as much as there is that love between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and the, and the Godhead, so there is to be such a love between the people of God, among the family of God. It should be as unthinkable for Christians not to love one another, as it is to imagine the sun still being the sun, but not shining. Well, there are times we don't see it shining when the, the clouds are out or when our part of the world is, is facing, the earth is, is facing away from the sun, but, it, but it's always shining. If it stopped shining, it wouldn't be the sun. And that's it's unthinkable. And it should be just as unthinkable that Christians should not love one another command and part of the very nature of God and the nature of of the Christian life itself. Well, as well as it being non-negotiable, verses 11 to 15, and verses 16 to 19, John says a bit more about what love is. And we need to be told because, well, the Word is all around us, songs, films, books, magazines, plays, TV programs, TV commercials, love, 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 but often the reference is to something other than what John is talking about in these verses. In our society, it's the physical and the experiential aspects of love that are to the fore. And whether we're going to blame Freud or Hollywood or whoever, from works of art to advertising, eroticism is all around. The romanticism of, say, a hundred years ago when people talked about falling in love nowadays is replaced by talk about making love. The focus is on the physical, on what we feel, and the focus is on what we want. People justify leaving their spouses for another person in terms of, well, I fell in love, it happened, I just couldn't help myself, as if there was no element of choice or self-control involved. And our culture's use of love as a term is of something that comes from the need of the lover. But that's not what the New Testament says, and that's not what John is talking about in these verses. What John talks about, and what Jesus himself had talked about before John, was a love that had nothing to do with getting back, a love that had nothing to do with taking or of self-gratification. They're talking about a love that cares for, that sacrifices and serves, and is willing to suffer for another. So, verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Not we know what love is because God fills the room with great light, because God gives us a warm feeling. No, we know what love is because, verse 16, Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives For our brothers and sisters. That's what love is. That giving without counting the cost, without any thought about getting something back, without asking whether the other person deserves this or not. And it's something quite specific and practical. In verse 16, John talks in the plural, we are to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. But it's not to stay as general as that. In verse 17, he moves to the singular. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or a sister in need, love is to be specific and practical. It touches our bank account, our diary, and so on. It moves from what is in our heart to very specific and tangible action. It is not something expressed in the occasional act of generosity, of rallying around for some cause, but it's a sustained giving. It doesn't need any aphrodisiac to turn it on. It's a settled attitude and a commitment to serve others, care about others, care for others, Such love has no pride to be wounded, no ego to be threatened. Such love rejoices when others do well, admires without resentment, praises without cynicism. So love, verses 11 to 15, is non-negotiable. Love, verses 16 to 18, is, is shown to us in the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, and that shows us how we are to give and sacrifice for one another. And then verses 19 to 24, the apostle goes on to say that love gives us grounds for confidence. John claims in these verses that the work of the Holy Spirit in us gives us grounds to to trust. God doesn't want you to be uncertain about his love for us. It's maybe been one of the difficulties that some of us had in courtship. Does she like me? Does he like me? What did that mean? But God doesn't want us to play that kind of game with him. He doesn't want us to be in any kind of doubt or two minds. He he loves, and he has shown that he loves in the sacrifice of giving Jesus for us. It's true that sometimes Christians can feel a bit uncertain about God's love. Verse 20 in our passage says that, when our hearts condemn us. But we're not intended to stay in that uncertain place. There is a confidence, verse 21, that comes when we obey and when we love. And so we must examine ourselves to see if we we are Christians at all. And see, if we are Christians, then we have the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit grows fruit in us, and and the first of these fruits is love. It's not a question about whether we are growing more fruit than someone else or better fruit than someone else. The very fact that our hopes and our aspirations are, 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 are shaped on loving is enough. And the very fact that someone cries out to God, that someone seeks God, that someone asks for forgiveness and renewal, that someone wants to be more faithful and more trusting, these are all signs that they are on the Lord's side. It is the disinterested, the complacent, the indifferent, those who have no anxiety about loving God and being loved by God, those who have no concern about their eternal destiny, It is these folks who really have no grounds for confidence and who need at once either to find a relationship with the living God or to sort out a relationship with the living God that has gone wrong. John sees and tells us that this kind of love, this fruit of the Spirit is is evidence. Evidence shows something. Evidence proves something. And equally, the absence of evidence shows the opposite. The evidence is of God life, of salvation, verse 14. This is how we know we have passed from from death to life. How? Because we love each other. Christian love. The love that we have and show and share for brothers and sisters in Christ, for fellow disciples, is a matter of life and death, verse 14. Faith in God through Jesus and love for one another as Christians hang together, verse 23. The command to believe in the name of Jesus, the Son of God, and to love one another as he commanded us. Salvation is received by faith, demonstrated by love. So, someone points across the street and says, do you see that apple tree over there? Well, how do you know if it's an apple tree? Some of you might be very good at looking at the leaves and so on, but a a lot of us will wait to see, well, does fruit grow there? The apples actually grow in that tree? And and if apples do grow on the tree, then we'll conclude, yes, that is an apple tree. If apples never grow on it, I suppose we might conclude that either the tree is dead or about to die, or maybe it isn't an apple tree at all. If something else grows on it, then it's not an apple tree. Similarly, if we are Christ's, if we are followers of Jesus, and that's through repenting of going our own way and believing in him, if we have done that, we've received the Holy Spirit, Acts 2, said Peter. And if we have the Spirit, then we're Christ's and following his way, Romans 8. And then if we have the Holy Spirit with us, the fruit of the Spirit will be growing just as certainly, just as surely as in a healthy apple tree, apples grow. So we need to take a look. We need to test ourselves. As I say, it's not a competition to see who produces the most or the best fruit. But if we're Christ's, then the fruit of the Spirit should be present and growing in our lives. So does your life, does my life, show any signs of God with us, God among us? Does your life, does, does my life show signs of the fruit of the Holy Spirit? This is not some optional aspect for being a Christian or for being church. It's non-negotiable. Now, of course, Jesus talked of love for others as well. He even challenged us to love our enemies but it was this kind of shared fellow Christian love that Jesus made the essential, the non-negotiable essential. It was this love for fellow Christians that Jesus said, if this is not present among you, you are dead. It's a church life that, and if we've practiced it just as turning up, singing up, coughing up, and going away, that, that doesn't fulfill what Jesus commands here. Church life that's been the running of social events to entertain, that doesn't fulfill what Jesus commands here. Coming together for prayer meetings doesn't fulfill it either. Social time over at coffee or a shared meal, that's not it either. Oh, all of these have their place. They all matter. None of them absolutely wrong in themselves. But they are not evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. They are not evidence of the kind of sacrificial love that John talks about in in verse 16. They're not the kind of love that Jesus showed to us and then asked us to show to one another. How are we going to love like that? What steps can you take maybe in this coming week? I know things are more difficult in the lockdown phase to stay in touch, to be in touch, but they're not impossible. It might be picking up a phone to say, sorry, it might be letting someone know that you're releasing a grudge It might be to let someone else know that you think you've not been doing all that you can or or pulling your weight in some way. It might be to apologize that you looked after your own interests rather than serving someone else. It might simply be a statement of when this is over, this is what we're going to do together. There are specific steps, tangible steps, that each of us can take. And without being specific and without being tangible, then love doesn't exist. Not just did Jesus lay down his life for us, verse 16, the first part. The second part, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters, and so if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother and sister in need but has no pity on them, How can the love of God be in that person? We are to love, verse 18, not just with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So I'd like you to think about, not just have other people been loving enough towards me. God didn't come into the world because we loved him. He came into the world because he loved us. So not have you been well treated, have others done this for you or that for you or the next thing, but simply if you're Christ's, what specific, what particular, what definite steps are you taking so that love grows? Not the warm, fuzzy feeling love. Not the love that is just about emotions and experience. But love there is a giving love, no holding back love, no strings attached love, the kind of love with which God loves us. Let us pray. And this is love, not that we love you, but that you love us, and have sent your Son to be the means by which our sins are forgiven. Gracious God, at this time of being in part of a pandemic, maybe in lots of ways the the stakes are raised, and maybe it's a good time then for us to say, wait a minute, what about my fellowship with God? What about my standing with God, my standing before God? Not have I been good, but Lord, have I done what you have called to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and to love as you have commanded us to. Lord, help us to search our hearts to seek forgiveness where we need forgiveness. And help us to learn how to love indeed in action, in service. that people might know that we're your disciples, not to bring attention to us, but to bring glory to you, you who have offered, you who have shown a different way of living, you who have shown that life is not normal. Lord, help us to bring your supernatural love into the natural of every day. In Jesus' name. Amen.